Well, it's great to see you today as the servers are taking offering. I just want to make you aware of a couple of uh, announcements that we would like you to to know about. One is if you are new and we haven't had the chance to meet, we'd love if you would take a couple of seconds to fill out the card in the back of the seat. Uh, says belong on it and before you leave today stop by our next steps area and and we got a little gift for you we just love to say hi and uh, just glad that you're you're here with us today we got a couple of uh, of things coming down the line that we want to just communicate uh, one is that in just a uh, in a few weeks we're going to be having our spring craft show this is something that some volunteers have put on and been a, a great way to just uh, you know support local artists and and uh, really engage with the community a little bit. So one of the things that they need for that, there'll be a lot of people that are here, that are going to be here that day on uh, March 25th, is just some volunteers to help kind of with the grounds, making sure that uh, everything's kind of watched over and taken care of. And if you would be interested in uh, volunteering for an hour or two that day, we would sure love it if you could. Uh, There's a sign-up sheet out in the lobby and some volunteers that'll be out there to answer questions that you might have. But uh, would love to see you. It'd be a fun day and and, I hope that you can be part of that. And also, I mentioned to you last week, and something I'm really, really passionate about and excited for is our opportunity to uh, minister to a group of people in our community that often get overlooked, and that is those that are deaf or hearing impaired. And we're partnering with uh, uh, another church, Northeast Christian Church, uh, to put on a, a deaf ministry that's going to meet here. And we're going to do, uh, to kind of kick it off, we're going to have a big gathering with food and just kind of a, hey, come and, and get to know people. And, and uh, so that's going to be on Saturday, March 4th from 4 to 7 p.m. And I've already had a few people that said, hey, I'd like to volunteer uh, and, you know, help out here or there, maybe in the kitchen or something like that, which we really appreciate. Uh, but from here on, they're going to be having a, a, a Bible study every Thursday. And one of the big needs that we're going to have there is uh, for child care. We're planning on 8 to 10 kids that are going to need a safe place so that the parents can be part of that ministry. So if you'd be interested in serving in that capacity, we'd love if you would uh, give us a call or talk to one of the staff or stop by the Next Steps uh, area as you leave and let somebody know there, and uh, we'd be so grateful for that. Excited. I'm excited for Jeremy. What a big day for him. It was awesome, but also excited. Last week in our second service, Josh Armstrong took that big step, took the plunge, and so we want to give it up for Josh as well. If you'd just give him a hand. It's awesome stuff. We're, we're continuing in this series that we started last week looking at this great sermon from Jesus in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, known as the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, last week we began this first part of it which is known as the Beatitudes. And today we're going to look at the second half of the Beatitudes. And and I mentioned this last week, and I think it's worth repeating again today, that these these topics, when we look at what's known as the Beatitudes, these things that Jesus describes, these are not things that I'm asking you to kind of create in your own life. These are things that, over time, God is developing in you. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, as you're walking with Jesus, these are things that naturally develop. This is the kind of person that Jesus wants to turn you into. So as you hear these things today, it it would just be so overwhelming to us, I think, if we were to hear these things today and kind of write them down and say, okay, I need to be like this and like this and like this. Uh, don't, Don't feel that stress. The main purpose of this is just stay close to Jesus. 
Stay close to him. I love, I asked John to lead us in that song this morning, Rock of Ages, because I love that verse that says, nothing in my hand I bring, but simply to the cross I cling. That's it. When we come before God with empty hands and we're asking him to fill us, that's what this is about. And a quick recap from last week, as we looked at the Beatitudes, we see Jesus uses the word blessed over and over and over again. And we might think that that word means happy, and there certainly is, that's part of it. But as I told you, if, if you were here, there, there are words in, in the biblical text, whether they're Hebrew or Greek or Aramaic, these, other, these, these ancient languages that they would have, I always call it like a picture word. There's one word that's used that doesn't translate into English very well. And so we have to kind of describe what this one word is. And that's the case when Jesus uses the word blessed. It means uh, you know, we, we might think what well, means happier, I've got great stuff happening in my life. We, we often associate being blessed with being comfortable. Um, you know, if somebody goes out and buys a new truck, you know, you say, wow, that's a nice truck. Somebody might, well, yeah, I'm, I'm really blessed. You know, or oh, you got a nice house. Oh, yeah, we're really blessed. We went on a great vacation. Yeah, we're really blessed. But here's, here's the big idea that I really hope that all of us will take out of here today is that being blessed is not based on circumstances. It's not about the creature comforts that we might be pursuing. When Jesus says that you're blessed, he's not saying, look at how great your life is. Uh, he's not saying, look at all the comforts that you enjoy. What he's doing is he's, he's commending us. He's saying, right on. You got it. You know, this is what I've been waiting for. You're living it. It's, it's, it's this joy from God that he is well pleased with our life. And that's a huge deal. So last week, we covered these verses. I'm just going to read them again uh, just as a recap. Matthew 5, beginning in verse 3, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Man, a lot of rich stuff right in that, just in that line. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now we'll move on to the next verse just a little further and examine the rest of the Beatitudes. Verse 7, he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now each one of these Beatitudes builds. So it kind of starts with, Blessed are the poor in spirit. And from there he's, just, he's building and building and building and going deeper. One of the markers that I look for as I'm trying to try to gauge like, are we on the right track as a church, you know, as individuals and as a, as a church family? Are we healthy? And one of, the, one of the markers that I look for is, are we seeing people who are far from God that maybe come from broken backgrounds or a lot of, lot of problems, you know, a, a, lot of, a lot of things in their life that have happened that are, that are, that are you know, very difficult. Are we seeing those people hear the good news of Jesus and accept him as their savior and then become a part of the family of God? Are they becoming a part of this family? And the reason that I look for that is because I believe strongly that that's a sign of health. If we as a church are, are reaching people who are kind of on the fringes because the ministry of Jesus was all about reaching people who were on the fringes. Jesus reached out to those who seemed to be the farthest away. 
And that's important. That's really vital that we understand that. And those people that he reached out to that seemed like they were so far away, they became some of those most powerful workers, some of the brightest lights in the kingdom. And that's really what this beatitude is, is saying. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. That's when God looks at you and says, well done. You've got it. What we see in the life of Jesus and what we should experience in the life of the church is mercy drawing us to the kingdom of God. I think specifically about Jesus meeting a woman at a well in John chapter 4. Some of you are real familiar with that, with that scripture. Jesus meets this woman. Her life is a mess. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just been terrible. She's been married and divorced five times. And she's living with a man that that's not, she's not married to. And at this moment, when Jesus meets her, we, we don't know all of her backstory. We don't, know, we don't know what led her to this place in life. But if you have ever been through the pain of divorce, then you know better than anybody else that that is not an optimal situation to be in. How that can just turn your whole life upside down. There's always a lot of things that come into play. No one, no one gets divorced because it was 100% the other person's fault. Right? Nobody thinks that. Nobody says that. Or if they do, they, they got to get a grip. You know, I mean, it's just not, it's never, it's never all one-sided. Everybody understands that we, we all bring baggage. You know, we've all got stuff that we bring into relationships, and it's difficult to navigate and work through all those issues. And I think it's interesting, too, for those who, who divorce and remarry, oftentimes uh, the, the odds of the second marriage falling apart are even higher because a lot of times we haven't learned the lessons that caused the problem in the first place. So this woman has been here five times over and over and over and over and over again and now she's living with another guy and Jesus speaks to this woman in such a loving way and encourages her. I want you to look at the exchange they have in John 4. I'm going to read it out of the message version. He says, it's who you are And the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before Him in their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship Him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. And the woman said, well, I don't know about that. I do know that the Messiah is coming, and when he arrives, we'll get the whole story. I am he, said Jesus. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. Well, just then his disciples came back, and they were shocked. They couldn't believe that he was talking with that kind of a woman. No one said what they were all thinking, but their faces showed it. The woman took the hint and left. In her confusion, she left her water pot. And back in the village, she told the people, Come and see a man who knew all about the things I've done, who knows me inside and out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And they went out to see for themselves. Jesus shows her mercy. He engages in relationship with her. And you see it over and over and over and over again with with Jesus when he deals with sinners. And he deals with those that are far from God. People who are guilty of really deplorable and despicable things. These people are not met with shame and guilt. They're met with mercy and compassion. And here's a way to think about it. If you, if you, 
if it helps, I, this is the way I like to think about it, is that mercy is the giving of undeserved acceptance or blessing. It's, it's when I'm going to give you something that you don't deserve, a good thing. I'm, I'm accepting you. I'm, I'm caring for you. I'm not going to give you the wrath or the punishment that you, that you do deserve. And that's what, that's what we've experienced when we've come to Christ. Every one of us, if we've entered into a relationship with Jesus, we experience his mercy. Over time, remember, the, the Beatitudes are what we're becoming. And what we're becoming is more merciful. We stop being judgmental. That's part of this. This is who Jesus is turning us into. We refuse to shame people or press guilt into them. It's when, it's when the person who's already feeling beat up, we see this all the time. People who walk through these doors that they're just, you can just tell from their face that they're just, their life is, is, is really difficult and they're just They've just been kicked around by the world, and they come in here already apprehensive, already feeling like, I don't know if I belong, and yet when they walk in, they're welcomed. They know that they belong. They're shown mercy. And that, that beautifully builds to the next verse when Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What's he talking about here? One of the things I have noticed in myself a lot over the years, and I've, I've noticed this not only in myself, but I've noticed this in, in a lot of other people, countless people. And we're all trying to stumble towards Jesus. We're trying to get it right. You know, we know what he wants us, how he wants us to live. We don't always, you know, we, we sometimes miss the mark. And when, and I see a lot of people that when they, when they stumble, when they fall down, they run from God. They hide or try to hide. You know, I, I will notice somebody that's, that will come here and maybe they give their life to Jesus and things are going well and they're getting involved they're in a group and they're, you know, learning and growing and all of a sudden they just disappear off the radar. And you, you try to talk to that person, hey, what's been going on? Well, I've just, oh, I've just been so busy. That's usually the go-to response. I've just been so busy. I've just so, been so busy. But in reality, they're hiding. Because something's happened. Something's knocked them off, off course. And, and we, we kind of try to bury what we're wrestling with, and we, we don't want to let anybody in on that. One of the things that Jesus is doing here in this verse, with blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, he's trying to call you out of that cycle. He's trying to call you out of hiding into this undivided heart. He wants you and I to be transparent at the very core of our being. That you can, it's okay. And, and here's something that, I, what I'm trying to really convince you of today is that being pure in heart is not about being perfect. But it's about being honest before the Lord. I know where I fall. I know where I stumble. And, but I'm willing to be honest with God and I'm honest with others about the, the deepest parts of my heart. So maybe we think about it this way. What makes us pure in heart? It's that we know... I can't hide anything from God. Obviously, he sees everything. We know we don't have any secrets. We know that he knows all things. And so we live our lives, specifically our life and relationship with Jesus, as those who we understand that. I can't hide from him. And we, we've already been welcomed into his presence. He's shown us mercy. We know that over and over again he's drawing us to himself. And so being pure of heart means that we don't run from him. It means that we run to him. That's what it means. 
That's what Jesus is describing. Let me ask you the question. What do you do when, when you mess up? When you've blown it, do you, do you try to bury that? Do you avoid people or places that might bring up feelings of conviction? Do you avoid that? Do you, do you want to go and do your own thing? Or do you run, maybe, maybe you run back into the same stuff. So you're, you're already, your life is, is, you've been backsliding and you just continue to run back into that stuff that you know is not God's intention for your life. Do you run to that or do you run to the Lord? That, that's the difference. Those who run from God and those who run to God, this is the, the mark of those who are pure in heart, is they continue to practice confession and repentance. Those are two things that are so important. So as we're growing and maturing in our walk with God, confession and repentance are something that we do over and over and over again. We bring it to the Lord. We ask for forgiveness. We ask for guidance to, to leave those things behind. I, I know people that get tripped up right there, though. So maybe they've taken a big step. They've accepted Christ into their life. That's a huge moment. We celebrate that. And then a few months, a year down the road, they feel like they've gotten off track. You know, it's, it's been difficult. And so they kind of feel like, well, I've really slipped a lot. And then when they say, okay, I, I've, I've got to come back. I've got to come back. They, they want to be baptized again. So I just need to be baptized. I've, I've talked to a lot of people that are on their fifth, sixth, tenth baptism. And they feel like, I just, I just got to be clean. I've got to be right again. You don't need to be baptized again. There's one baptism. Scripture says one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's something that we do when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. But confessing our sins, that's when, when I'm admitting it, I'm owning up to it. Like, I did this. I'm still struggling with this. And, and then I'm repenting, which is I'm making the decision. I don't want to be that person. That's, that's really, if you boil it down, that's what repentance is. It, it just means I don't want to be that guy. I, I do this thing, but that's not who I want to be. That's not who God's called me to be. I don't want to live like this anymore. And that is an ongoing process. We're probably going to be confessing and repenting until the day that we go to be with God. And we're perpetually moving into the presence of the Lord with our fears and our failures. We bring them, and he meets us there. That's the, that's the great part of this. That's what Jesus says in this verse. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who aren't hiding anything. For they will see God. They will marvel at the beauty of the mercy of our, of our Lord and Savior. And I really want you to know, I mean, this is a beautiful thing. And if you are haunted by this feeling, if you've got like this, if something in the pit of your stomach that, that you feel like eventually I'm going to be found out. Like people are going to see that I'm a, I'm a fake, I'm a fraud. If you've got any of those feelings, you can take that straight to Jesus. You don't have to hide. You, and, and when you do that, you'll be met with mercy and you will be met with the kindness of God. You will see the Lord and you will marvel at his beauty. In verse 9, he goes on, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And I so wish uh, that I had a, a, whole, a whole message just on this verse. Uh, we, there's so much here, but we, we got a cruise. Uh, it's just a lot of richness here. But let me just say this. Our world is a violent and 
angry place. And it's so easy for us to allow the, the darkness of that to influence us. Whether it's by becoming depressed by it or disillusioned by it or maybe just numbed out. You know, I keep hearing things and I'm seeing things and all the bad stuff, it just, it just affects us. And some of us, we feel like we just have this need. My voice has to be heard. You know, the world is so messed up and so I'm going to shout really, really loud and I want people to hear me and maybe it might cause more tension, but I just believe that it has to happen. Here's the upside-down kingdom of Jesus. When the gospel does its work in you and me, when, when the work of God, when, when he's at work in us, the Bible says we become, this is, the, this is the people we're becoming, not peace seekers, not peace lovers, peacemakers. It's an action that wherever we go, we bring peace with us, that we reestablish the kind of peace that God originally designed the universe to function in. Wherever, wherever God places us, we bring peace with us. That's what, it, that's what he's saying. And that sounds pretty big. And you might be thinking, well, that sounds too big for us to, 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 to you know, I like the idea of it, but I, I just don't see how that's going to work, you know. And, and, and for us, maybe the idea of peace, it's not just that the shootings have stopped or that I've got, you know, warm, tingly-wingly feelings all the time, but biblical peace happens when the, when the causes of strife, the causes of violence have been healed when they're eradicated that's that's peace that's the view here that we are bringing this healing presence into whatever space we're in that that's what that's who the people of God are we're salt and light he's called us out into the world and this is what we do being peacemakers it doesn't mean it's all your responsibility to solve all the problems in the world you can't you can't solve there's so, so many things that are completely out of our control but what it means is where you are what what you do you know where you work those places in your life as you enter into those places you bring peace you bring it with you you make peace in those spaces now how do you do that we we don't have to overcomplicate it we don't have to be too crazy about it remember all this is happening not because we're trying really really hard this is not it's not something we're trying to muster up or that we're disciplined enough to pull it off, but we are, if we are consistently fighting to be in the presence of Jesus, that I want to know him, and I'm reminding myself of, of the, the, the message of the gospel, and I'm being formed by the Spirit of God, peacemaking, isn't, it's not about going somewhere. It's not like I've got to go find a, a mess and, and get into it, but it's about being faithful where you are. That's what it is. You are making peace where you are. So maybe it's at work. Maybe it's at home. Maybe it's in your circle of friends. You, you are, are caught up in God's plan to push back against darkness. And, and, and this is the thing we gotta, we got to remember as peacemakers. We have to be really serious about fear and anger in our own lives. we got to watch out for that. I mentioned that last week. That anger, is, it's a secondary emotion. Anger is a response to either fear or pain. A lot of people say, I'm just angry. I'm just, I'm angry. I'm angry. No, you're not. You're not just angry. You're afraid or you hurt. And anger is coming out. It's, 
So acknowledge the fears that you have. It's okay. It's okay to acknowledge our pain, but don't allow it to turn into anger. Just focus on being faithful where you are. Let's finish these out in verse 9 through 12. Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now for us today, you've probably noticed this, um, but there just seems to be a little bit of hostility towards Christians. You know, and it seems to be a little bit more than it was even 10 years ago. It just seems like there's just a little bit, you know, and it's not that we're out there being murdered for our faith or losing our homes or, you know, you know being beaten in the street or whatever. Although it's certainly a reality for many of our brothers and sisters around the world. But here in America, it just seems, it just seems like there's a little bit of, just a little bit of acidity in the air. Just, it's just there. And I can't tell you how many times... I've been having a great conversation with somebody. I'll meet them for the first time and just talking and sharing stories and whatever, you know, just enjoying this, you know, meeting a new person. And they'll come around and say, and they'll ask, so what do you do for a living? And I say, I'm a pastor. And it just like sucks the air out of the room. It's like, oh, well, I, I think I left something over there. I've, goodbye. I'm going to go leave you now. I, and I think for, for a lot of the world, because I've asked myself, why is that? I've even... This is, this is so stupid, but I've even thought, like, maybe I ought to start introducing myself differently. Maybe I should say, oh, I'm in communications, or <laughs> whatever. I don't know. It's just, it's, just a, it's just a mood killer sometimes. And I, I ask myself, why is it like that? I think for a lot of the world, they see you and I as a barrier to progress. They, it's like they see us like we're holding the world back in some way from being the utopia that they imagine that it could be. And what, what Jesus is getting at here is he says, congratulations when people say really nasty things about you. you you've got it when there are people that don't like you, when they misrepresent you, when they twist what you said, all because you love me. He says, rejoice about that because great is your reward in heaven. Now, let me draw a quick line of distinction because this is important. And some of you, you got to hear this. There is a major difference between being persecuted because of your devotion to Christ and being unliked because you have an abrasive attitude. I know so many people like, oh, I'm just being, I'm just being persecuted out there. I'm just being persecuted. I'm like, you're just a jerk. <laughs> That's... That's the problem that we got. Uh, there's a lot of Christians that I know that love to shove it in the faces of others. So if, if our idea of being persecuted is that I was carrying a sign at a public event and using a megaphone and saying, you all are going to hell, and people don't like you for that, probably just because you're being, you're being mean, <laughs> you know? I, I've, I, I've told this story before. That's happened to me like on multiple occasions. I've been somewhere with my wife. One, one day night we were going to dinner. We had to walk through 4th Street Live. And there were these guys out there with big signs with flames on them and megaphones. And he looked right at me and Megan and says, You two, you guys, you are lost in your sins and you're going straight to hell. And I said, I don't know, Megan. They may got your number, I think. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't think they saw me. I was kind of hiding behind her. <laughs> but Jesus says, when the world hates you because of me, not because you're being a jerk, but when the world hates you because of, because of our relationship to Christ, you're blessed. And here's why. The kingdom of God means that darkness has been invaded and it's being destroyed and pushed back. This is why later Jesus would say, if you, if you go on and read later in Matthew, he'd say that he's going to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I think about this. I was actually having this conversation with RJ, a guy who plays our piano oftentimes on Sundays. He would say, you know, you think about what Jesus said there. Gates, uh, they are not offensive weapons. They're defensive. Like gates, you don't, gates don't go out and attack. They're to defend. So when Jesus says the gates of hell won't prevail, he's saying that darkness is on its heels, that, that demonic evil is in trouble because of my church, that Satan is being assaulted by the good news of the gospel. And as you and I live out our faith, just by being like Jesus, just as we walk as he walked, as we live as he lived, by loving people, by showing mercy, by speaking the truth in love, we've got to preface it with that. There's times for truth, and it, it's, it's, but we do it in love, being humble, sacrificially serving others. And you might think, well, who could have a problem with that? Who would have a problem with a person that's just loving and serving and humble and, and these wonderful things? Why would anybody, why would anybody not, not like that? The devil hates that. He hates it because what is it doing? It's drawing people to Jesus Christ. And we can expect the world's hostility because the devil does not want that to continue. So he wants to stop it. He wants to discourage you. He wants to knock you off track. Sometimes you know, we feel like we're trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to be the right person. I'm trying to be faithful to God. Why, is it, why, why do I feel like I'm being attacked? Why is all these... These hard things happening to me. Because you're not going to get a free pass. He wants to stop the work of God in your life. And this is what I know. When you, when you start saying things like, I mean, quoting the Lord, John 14, verse 6. And he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. When you say things like that, we live in a time in human history where that is not acceptable. People don't want to hear that. They say, I want options. You know, that's, that's too narrow-minded. Don't say that Jesus is the only way. There's got to be other ways. And I always tell people, this is, this is the thing. When Jesus spoke those words, he wasn't being narrow-minded. He was being honest. He says, I am the way and the truth and your life. No one comes to the Father except through me because there's no one else coming for you. I'm it. He was just being honest. He says, I am the one who has come. It's a reality. That's a tough thing for a lot of people to hear because they, they don't want to hear that. But just because the truth is difficult doesn't mean it's not true. And Jesus says, you're blessed. You've got it. You are becoming who I intend you to be. And great is your reward in heaven. You stay the course. He says, you'll be blessed when you're persecuted on my behalf, on account of me. So I, I don't know what the future holds for us. I don't know what the future holds for the church. Somebody was just asking me this week, what do you think? What do you think about, 
the return of Christ, the second coming. What do you think about this? What do you think about revival? What do you think? We're just, our minds are thinking about all these things. I said, you know what? I have no idea. I have no idea. But one thing that I know is that you and I were made for this moment. We're here on purpose. I find myself sometimes wishing, oh, I wish I'd been born in a different time. Think of what we could have done if it was a different time. I think, no. God made us with intention, on purpose. You were made for this moment. He placed you here right now for his glory and for your good. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you. I thank you for just the words of Jesus, the richness that's there. There's so much that we can just dig into and truth that we can uncover and begin to just uh, begin to just live in that but I pray today specifically that we've talked about all this this is heavy Lord this is heavy stuff uh, just would you remind us speak to our hearts and remind us that we don't have to create these things but that you are creating them in us so help us to be faithful I pray that you when you look at us that you would find us faithful and if we're not Lord, remind us that we find mercy and grace at your feet. So help us to return. Draw us back. Pick us up again. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus and who forgives all of our sin and has cleansed us from all kinds of unrighteousness. And I ask all this in his name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.